And we've been talking about walking with God uh, in our little discussion. That was certainly the focus. And um, as we've been invited in this letter, at the chapter one was about that invitation to walk with God and fellowship with God. And, um, and then he talked about how great that was. And then John started getting a uh, getting into some warnings about things that could hurt our walk with God. And the first one um, was worldliness that can hurt our walk with God. It can be, the, that's the first great challenge to really walking with God is, is worldliness. And we saw worldliness was described as uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Or you could just say rebellion, Against God's thoughts, against God's ways, against the way that God is. Anything that's rebellion is really the definition of worldliness. Um, and tonight we're going to talk about the second great challenge to walking with God, which is um, substituting something else for Jesus. And you could shorten that as just antichrists. Antichrists are the second great challenge to walking with Jesus. So we get to uh, chapter 2, verse 18, and it says, Little children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. So, he says that there is this guy coming, the Antichrist. Um, and that's a real person, um, and there's one official Antichrist. So, does someone know what the word Antichrist means? Against God, um, you can also use the word instead of God, or in place of God, or a substitute for God, a substitute for Jesus, you could say. So there's one official Antichrist, and he uh, isn't here yet, um, according, you know, in eschatology, which is the study of end times events, um, you and I, we're not going to see the, the real Antichrist. Uh, the the one guy he gets revealed after the church is raptured, and that's um, so. If you're spending your time looking for the antichrist, you're spending your time on the wrong thing. Why is that? Because you're not going to see it. You're not going to find him, right? And if and you, you sh- do, you should be concerned. If if you do, you should be concerned. That's right. <laughs> All your friends are gone, and you're still looking for the antichrist. And, oh, I found him! Hey, Harvey, mm-hmm. Harvey. Where'd you go? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Antichrist. It, no, we should be spending our time lurking, looking, not lurking, looking and seeking for Jesus Christ. Uh, that's that should be our yes, not lurking around church, but you could looking. You could quiet time. You could. You could go walk and smell the ducks. <laughs> smell the ducks. I'm glad you guys got my teaching last Sunday on smelling ducks. Anyway, um, so there is this one official Antichrist, but believe it or not, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about 
prophecy and end times events tonight. Because uh, I really think that the heart that John is talking about is not so much the Antichrist, but it's all the other. He says the many Antichrists have come. And uh, so some people think that this main Antichrist is going to be uh, the opposite of Jesus in every way. So if Jesus was nice, he's going to be mean. If Jesus was loving, he's going to be hateful. If Jesus was was kind, he's going to be, you know, you know, just ugly and bad breath and, and horns coming out of his head and all this stuff. Well, that's actually not what the Antichrist is. He's described as a great politician, an incredible warrior and schemer and planner, and everyone loves him. Everyone in the world loves him. They think he's the greatest. Um, because to be a substitute for Jesus doesn't mean you need to look the opposite of him. It means you just need to be anything besides him. So, um, he, John takes this illustration of the Antichrist and he applies it to things in our everyday life, the people um, that are in our life now. Um, and John, so John is mainly speaking of people who can uh, lead, uh, lead us away from Jesus. Um, some of these people are pastors and priests. They lead people away from Jesus. Do you know what the word vicar means? Vicar? Vicar. Oh, vicar. And how the title V-I-C-A-R. Uh-huh. Isn't that what they use in, like, British? No. The vicar of Christ. Isn't that, like, another word for, like, the Pope? It, it is a title that they give their priests, uh, especially the Pope. But they also, any, any priest over a, a local parish is also called the vicar. Have you heard that? No. You never heard that? Mm -hmm. Vicar means in place of. No. Which is ridiculous. I don't know. In my opinion, I think it's like, do you want people to think you're antichrist? No. <laughs> it literally means in place of. I don't think they intended it to really be like an antichrist. Maybe that's why they stopped using it. No, they still use they it. Still use it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I think they, they still meant use it. it to be more comforting, like you can go talk to the priest if you need to. I know, but that's the point. <laughs> Anything or anyone that you go to that's not Jesus is Antichrist. Yeah. That's true. That's the point. Yeah. Like the only point of this whole verse is like... Come on, guys. Along with the other verse that says, call no man father. Come on, guys. Like, I understand you think things a certain way, but the word of God is pretty clear about a couple of these things. And it's like, oh, guys, I love you, but... There's a, a British TV show that comes on later, and I used to watch it. It's called Keeping Up Appearances, and it's from England. And they always talk about, oh, hello, Vicka. How are you doing? <laughs> and I mean, it was just, it's just funny, but I never knew that that's what that meant. I thought it just meant like a, like a priest or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's this guy that would be dressed like a priest, but I thought they just called them vicars mm -hmm. in like other countries. But yeah. Because I never really heard anybody call a priest a vicar. I'm sure there's a lot of great priests who use the term in a very humble way or, or whatever. Calling it their role, you know, but but the actual is yeah, in place of yes, yeah, absolutely. Wow. So um, that's one way that that 
Antichrist can be applied to our life. Another way is that so other people simply leave church and never come back. And that can be a form of Antichrist as well, or in place of Christ. And let me explain. Um, they weren't... Um, okay, so if they leave church, and we all know people have left church, um, they weren't saved because they went to church, but they leave church... Um, and they never return, and that act speaks volumes about their relationship with Christ. Um, there is this unspoken unity between all people who are in Christ, because we're all in the same body. And no matter how different we are, no matter how much we disagree on stuff, if, there's, if we truly are in Christ, we're in the same body. And that's really important. Uh, David Guzak had a really good thing. I'm just going to read it to you because he's good at explaining it. He says, we can imagine the scene. There's someone, there's some controversy among people at church and someone responds by saying, I'm so sick of all this. The church and all churches, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. I don't need any of this. I can follow God my own way. And so they leave, not just a church, but they leave any kind of church. We can fairly say that this person does not appear to be a Christian. And their appearance demonstrates that they were never really a Christian. Only God can know the heart for certain, but the appearance is that they trusted in church or trusted in themselves, but they weren't really trusting in Jesus Christ. If they were, the, then the common ground of Jesus, of trust in Jesus, would be greater than any difficulty they might have with other Christians. So, why does John pick this out as being a huge challenge to us in our walk? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you ever doubt that Jesus is all that you need? Okay. John would say that that is a huge temptation. Okay, it's a huge temptation. Our flesh always sees another way to live. And we're called to put to death the deeds of the flesh. So as we grow, and as you've been walking with the Lord years and years and years, it should be natural to make the decision to live in life, to breathe by obeying Christ and looking to him and trusting him, as opposed to trusting in the flesh. That's the walk he wants to develop in us, is where it's natural to follow him. Yeah. So no, I don't accept that all Christians should, it should be a struggle at every point. There should be struggles, you bet, as we grow. But then progress is made. And that's called growing in grace. So we're seeing this life where Jesus is all that we need. He says that he is. He promises it. And that's what John says walking with him is about. You're just walking in that. Okay? Then these temptations come. Worldliness comes along and says, well, you know, you could rebel. And we're like, eh, I don't want to rebel. But then John says the next temptation is that more subtle temptation of antichristism, we'll call it, where something else can take the place of Christ for something in your life. Just something. Not all, I'm, not, I'm not leaving everything. It's just something. Do you ever doubt that Jesus is all you need? That's this, this this antichrist thing. He says there's many antichrists out there right now. There's many substitutes. There's many things that we can say, well, I need Jesus, but I also need a job. 
And so your job has just become antichrist in place of Christ, a substitute for Christ. Um, now, the Lord knows you need a job, but if you ask him for a job, what is his response going to be? He will give you a job. He knows your needs and he will provide for your needs. That's how we live with total surrender to him. And it's convicting, but he demands everything. He demands it all. Um, you know, the spirit, the flesh always sees another way to live. But the spirit only breathes life through Jesus only. So there's only one way that we can breathe spiritually and live spiritually. And that's by trusting in the Lord. And if our decision isn't trusting in the Lord, it's like we're holding breath, our breath spiritually. And, and, and our life just fades away. Our spiritual vitality, it just fades away when we make decisions that are not based on trusting the Lord, but they're based on my actions, my works, my talents, my efforts, all of me. So we become antichrists when we put our hope in the flesh, anything that's in place of Jesus Christ. So let's look at the next verse here, verses 20 through 23. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. What does the word Christ mean? No. Nope. Messiah. Messiah. What does that word mean? Savior. Savior. Okay. Savior. Or the sufficient one. Or, yeah. Okay. Jesus is the Christ. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. Who, he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So he says here that the solution to this whole Antichrist thing, he says, is that you have an anointing. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And this anointing is something that all Christians <coughs> receive. All Christians receive this anointing. Um, you know, some Christians have this idea, and it's false, that the anointing is like a virus that you catch. And you have to be in another a group of people that have this virus in order to catch the anointing. Um, and there's been various things that people have called uh, uh, revivals. And, and some of them have been true revivals. And some of them have been these things where people are seeking an anointing that, that is some special and strange thing. Okay. Shall I return that handkerchief? Yes. Should I cancel the order on the snakes? <laughs> yes. Although the snake oil might be handy. Because the idea of anointing is literally to be blessed with oil. And that was the reason why John, you know the Apostle John, do you know how he died? He died of old age. No, he did not. Well, he did. You're, you're right. I asked the wrong question. Do you know what happened to him when he was old? He got dropped in a bucket of hot oil. He did. The emperor Di uh, Domitian 
Domitian, he cast John into a vat of oil, as if to say, you have an anointing? Well, here's your anointing, you know, dipping him in that. And um, of course, he was unharmed. He didn't die, which was weird. But that's what happened. Right. And so the, this, the reason why this belongs to all believers and all Christians is because this anointing is the Holy Spirit. And so we all know that all we need to know is, is given to us by the Holy Spirit. He gives us everything we need to know. <clears throat> Um, and he says here, what's he say here? He says, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. That's what he's saying. When you have the Holy Spirit, you already know everything that you need to know. It's very simple. Following Jesus can be very simple. You already know everything that you need to know because of the Holy Spirit. But the word know here is different than the word that we usually have in the Bible for know. The word we usually have is gnosko, which is um, to know by experience. But this isn't that word. This is a different Greek word that's used much more seldom, and it's the word to know by intuition. <clears throat> so if we read that again, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know by intuition all things. You know by intuition. <clears throat> Which means the Holy Spirit guides us and teaches us everything that we need to know and we'll know in our hearts when something is taking the place of Jesus in our life. Now, our discussion we were having before worship, we were talking about, do you ever have that feeling like things just aren't right? That is what this is. I have let some antichrist have influence in my life is what John is saying. And that is a roadblock to walking with Jesus. And in his love, the Holy Spirit comes and he says, you know better than that. You know better than that. This is what wasn't worldliness. It wasn't rebellion. It was you're being influenced by something, someone saying, something saying, I am, I'm in place of Jesus. You don't need Jesus in this area of your life. Jesus isn't sufficient in this area of life. You just need me, whatever that thing is. And the way to be protected from these attacks of substitutes is to trust in the perfect truth that the Holy Spirit brings. And what is the Holy Spirit just telling you? Jesus is all you need. That's what the Holy Spirit says. Life comes through Jesus only. That's what the Holy Spirit says. Drawing near to me is very important. That's what the Holy Spirit tells me all the time. These are all the things that the Holy Spirit convicts us of, and they all center on Jesus. So look at John 15, 26. <clears throat> what does that say? But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Wow. So there we see a lot of parallels to everything John just told us. We talked about truth. He said the Spirit of truth is his name. Um, he talked about um, 
having this anointing from the Holy One? Well, the Spirit comes from the Holy One, the Father. And then we saw this relationship between the Father and the Son, and you can have, there, there's all this unity when things are right in your life between knowing the Father and knowing the Son, having all that straight in your life. He says that comes from the Holy Spirit as well. And here he says the reason that you and I can be confident that we are believers, that we're in the body, is that the Holy Spirit testifies of me. The Holy Spirit testifies of me. It's that's what he says. He will testify of me. He is going to tell you how important I am. You think you just decided one day that Jesus was the most important thing in your life? No. The Holy Spirit worked on you and worked on you, and he testified. He witnessed to you. He, he spoke into your heart of the greatness and the glory of Jesus. And he knows how to do that. In the hardest hearts, he knows how to do that. It's awesome. So, to summarize, the attack is these antichrists come in and they say, Jesus isn't all that you need. And the answer to that is, no, Jesus is all. He's the Alpha and the Omega. What does that mean? Beginning and the end. Right. It's the first letter in the Greek alphabet and the last letter in the Greek alphabet. Beginning and the end. Um, and we commune with him or we die. That's it. We commune with him or we die.